You know, and so for the last four weeks, what we've been really doing is, is, is um, and as we've been doing this, we're anticipating today. We've been Advent, looking forward to an arrival. We've been anticipating Christmas. Jesus is coming, Emmanuel, which we talked about last night. Emmanuel coming to mankind, God being with us. So what we've been really doing, the reason we do something like an Advent wreath, is we've been joining with salvation history. Um, what I mean by that is where, where we're joining with all the cloud of witnesses, Christians through 2,000 years of Christianity that have been saying this is important and that we're leading up to this monumental event where mankind looks forward to the coming of God's promise of a Savior. And so what we've done every week is light the candles. So we're, tonight we're going we're gonna to light the candles. You can say them with me as I do them and we get to actually do the center one today too. So... Last night I did this, I almost burned my finger. It's a long time to have this thing on yourself. So what was the first one? Hope. We look forward with hope to the future. Then we have peace. We have peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The next one, love. God is love. And then we have joy. What do we learn from, from Jesus? There's no greater joy on the planet. We can have happiness without Jesus, but we find joy in Jesus. And then we light the center one which represents Jesus himself. And, and, and notice the center candle, it's white. There's significance to the colors, and there's different people who would disagree on what the colors are supposed to be, but primarily the last one should be pink, and, and the center one everybody agrees on should be white. It's white to represent Jesus, because Jesus is, is pure and sinless and spotless. And so we look to, to him today. So today, the reason we light the center candle is today is all about Jesus. It's Christmas. What the service is today, it's all about Jesus. And, and what I'm hoping for today is, is today is a day that we can, is it about Jesus, that we can be amazed by who Jesus is. You see, I think it's easy for us to stop being amazed by Jesus. It just becomes a word, right? You know, we don't want to think about the significance of who he is. It's easy to stop being amazed by him. It's so easy to become familiar with the Christmas story and to stop seeing the wonder in all of it. But Christmas is a time, the reason we celebrate every year, it's a time to be re-amazed. Is that a word? But I'm going to make it up today. Re-amazed by Jesus and who Jesus really is. And I want to do this by thinking about a, a particular verse. We're going to look at some other verses too, but a particular verse um, from John's Gospel. In the very beginning, chapter 1 of John's Gospel, um, I just want to look at one verse, the 14th verse. Because it says something that I believe John is trying to amaze us by. John 1.14 says this, And the Word, and that's referring to Jesus, the Word of God. He's referred to throughout all of Scripture as the Word of God that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John, what I think John does is John wants us to be amazed at the Christmas story. So he focuses on one particular thing in this verse. And we use the word to describe this, um, kind of a theological word, but a word that you're probably familiar with, the word incarnation. That's what he's talking about here, the incarnation. What the incarnation means is the word, Jesus, 
became flesh or became human. So incarnation, that's what he's focused on. The word became flesh. And he's saying God became one of us. The God became like us because we're flesh. You don't pinch yourself. You are. You know, and so, so we are flesh and he, I see you're pinching each other. That's good. You're waking each other up. But, um, but to saying God, the word, eternal word, God became flesh. John looks at the Christmas story through this verse there and I think he basically says, do you really get what's going on here? God, the eternal word, truth, has come to us and he's taken on human flesh. That, that little baby in the manger, he says, no, that's a little baby. That little baby in the manger is God himself wrapped in human flesh. So he's God and he's man. And I know that we can't really get our heads around that. I don't think John could. But he's by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, this is what we see in the Christmas story. And I think what he's trying to communicate is he goes, that's absolutely amazing. So John says, you know, God, the word became flesh. And he didn't just become flesh, but he dwelt among us. He lives with us. And John chose a very unique and particular word to describe the fact that God became flesh and he dwelt among us. And he chose this word. The word that the Jewish world would understand and stood and that we don't probably understand, but I'll explain it. He really said, the real word is, God became flesh and he tabernacled among us. Now, whoever uses the word tabernacle in their normal daily language? Oh, Richie does. So the one person in the whole place. So God became flesh. So Richie's like, hey, I'm tabernacling with you today. You know, we don't really get what that means, but it's really, really was significant to the people who John wrote this to, the Jewish nation, because what tabernacled means, literally means, is dwelt as in a tent. You go, well, What's that mean? God's pitching a tent next to me? No, it had to do with, with, with the history of the nation of Israel and God's interaction with them. It was a word that all Jewish people would have understood. John was saying this, Jesus coming in the flesh is like the time when God, when God came to Israel and dwelt with them in the tabernacle in the wilderness. He's saying God coming to us is just like now, with, as a baby, is, is just like our history when we built this tabernacle, this tent in the wilderness, and God literally came and he inhabited the tent. He goes, that's what's going on here. John is saying, do you get what's going on here with this baby? God is with us again in a very real way. He is here and he is now like he was back then in the tabernacle. Now, they longed for that. The people are like, God was really this powerful reality. We knew he was there. There was just smoke to say that he was there. And, and we recognized his presence. And John said, listen, Jesus is doing the same thing. He is God in the flesh among us. Jesus is God. And he's saying this, Jesus is the present presence of God among us. Matter of fact, that's the message of today. Jesus is the present presence of God among us. And what I think John is trying to get us to do is go, man, you've got to stand back and get this because this is ridiculously amazing. See, listen, church. When we look at the baby in the manger, we need to understand what we are seeing because John's trying to communicate it's absolutely miraculous. And let's think about for a moment what we're seeing when we look at Jesus in the manger 
the word become flesh. The first thing is, we're seeing the reality of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 tells us this about Jesus. It says, he or Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Another verse says, when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. The way to understand God, and this is so important, if you'll get this concept, you will, you will so much have a, so much greater understanding of God trying to show us what He is really like. The way to understand God, to grasp more fully who He is and what He is like, is to look at Jesus. Jesus isn't just kinda like God. He is God. The way to understand God is to understand Jesus. This is why God came in human flesh. He came to reveal himself in a way that we can more fully comprehend. I don't understand angels and spirit. I can't get my mind around it. I don't understand God and being God and, and human all at one time. I can't really get all that. But I can understand a man and look at him. So he came as one of us to reveal to us who God is. And a lot of people have misconceptions about God. They see maybe God as mean or maybe judgmental or harsh or just the opposite. Matter of fact, I would say people my age, the tendency is to see God like that. God is just, just kind of mean guy with a stick sitting up in heaven waiting to thump you. Now, I don't mean this, and I'm, I won't even say the word I'm going to say. <laughs> the snowflakes, I'm not going to attribute it to a, to a generation, but the snowflakes... I think, see, God is just the opposite. He's this big Santa Claus teddy bear sitting in heaven. You can do anything you want, and he's just absolutely fine with it. Well, if you want to understand if your view of God is right or wrong, what you have to do is you have to look at Jesus. Because we see Jesus, we see, the, we see God. And Jesus is the revelation of God himself. So, so if you want to understand what God is really like, you look at Jesus and you see a true picture of God. And I think Christmas is the perfect time to evaluate the image that you have of God against the true revelation of God and Jesus. You see, if your image, your view of God is different than what you see in Jesus, then quite plainly, you're wrong. It's okay to be wrong, because if you're wrong, then you can get right. You can say, okay, what's the truth? Well, I look at Jesus, and if my image of God is wrong, I need to adjust it. Matter of fact, I have done continually adjust my view of God. As I understand Jesus more, I understand so much more about what I think about God, that God, I've come to, you know, I thought, you know what, God's not the mean judge in heaven looking for me to make mistakes. He's this wonderful one who goes to the lost sheep and seeks them out. He's also the one who says to the lady caught in adultery, I don't condemn you. But then he says, but now sin no more. So when I want to understand the Father... When I want to understand God, I look at my view compared to what's revealed in Jesus. And friends, Christmas is a great time for doing that. So if you want to see God, you look at Jesus. So that's one thing that we see that we're amazed at at Christmas. But, but there's more. You know, um, so we see in Jesus the reality of who God is, but also we hear in Jesus the voice of God. Have you ever longed to hear God speak to you? I do. People tell me all the time, if God would just tell me what to do. Pastor, what am I supposed to do? If God would just speak to me. 
Have you ever longed to hear God speak to you? Well, Scripture says that the message that God speaks to us in this day and age is the message of his son Jesus. That if we want to hear what God has to say, and I'm not saying, saying that God doesn't also by his spirit speak to us directly and specifically, but he says the message that God wants to speak to us is the message of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, listen to what it says. Because you might go, I never thought of that before. Even I'm going to want to hear what God says. I do know what God says. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets and in many portions and in many ways. So look at what he's saying. He said, in the past, long ago, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets and in many portions, would be many portions of scripture, and in many ways. So that's how he spoke in the past. In these last days, and Scripture says that from the time of Christ, we entered a season called the last days. So for 2,000 years, we've been living in the last days. In these last days, God has spoken to us in, what's it say? His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He made the world. So in these last days, the days that we live in, how has God spoken to us? He has spoken to us in His Son. So the way God speaks to us in these last days is through His Son, Jesus. Jesus is the voice of God. So listen to the significance of that. When Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, that's not some person's opinion. That's not some, something that a pastor said, I think we ought to do this today. It's not an opinion. It's the voice of God to man. And when Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, which, by the way, is what this whole group are going to minister to um, in Germany from all the stands, Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Turkey, all these places, what they're trying to do is go love somebody that would consider them an enemy. They don't, but love their enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not an opinion. That's not some, some missions organization that said to do that. It's the voice of God. Because Jesus said that's how we should interact with all of humanity. Don't hate them. Love them. He says even someone who's your enemy, love them. Why does he say? He says you're going to act the opposite of other people in the world. So do you want to hear the Lord speak to you? Then listen to what Jesus has to say because it's amazing. He says to those caught in sin, I don't condemn you. Now go in forgiveness and sin no more. What a message to hear at Christmas. He says to the tired and the weary, Come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says to the outcast and the overlooked, You are welcome in my kingdom. Matter of fact, that's the whole point of the, the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the persecuted. Because they thought they weren't welcome in God's family. And he says, Blessed are you because you're welcome in my kingdom. Everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God. He says to the spiritually thirsty, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. Friends, amazing, life-changing things. So don't stop this Christmas with just admiring the baby in the manger. Listen to what he has to say and really listen. You'll be amazed at the life he calls you to. And then there's one more thing for us to notice this Christmas and be amazed at. We discover in Jesus the purpose of God for each and every one of us. 
When we look at the Word became flesh, we are seeing an example of the ideal person. When we look at Jesus, we see what we are intended to be. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image. That was God's plan. But what do we know from, well, we talked about it last night, what do we know from, from biblical history, sin entered the equation, and that ma- what man was meant to be was altered and was damaged. But what happened? Then along comes Jesus. God in human flesh, without sin, and what do we see in him? Jesus is the ideal human. And as, as such, he serves as a model of what God wants for us. You want to know what your purpose? People say, Pastor, what's my purpose in this world? Your purpose is to become like Jesus. God desires for us that we would be continually transformed by the Holy Spirit from the inside out into the likeness of Jesus, where I go from hating to loving, from excluding to embracing, to experience fellowship with God like Jesus did, to reflect the grace and the goodness of God like Jesus did. A kind of way, he lived in such a way that it made, it made religious people crazy. They couldn't figure it out. They couldn't control him because mobs came to him and said, you know what, we've never heard of this grace and love like you offer before. God's trying to make us like Jesus. When you look at Jesus this Christmas, you are seeing what God wants for you. You're, you're, you his plan is for you to become more like him by the transforming work of the Holy Spirit within you. But you know what I think we say at times? We say, well, you know what, Pastor Mark, um, yeah, that's fine for you. But that's impossible for me. They're going, you don't, you don't know me. You don't know my situation. You don't know, you know what I'm really like on the inside. And really, I'm nothing like Jesus. And here's the deal. I've tried. I can't change. I'm too old. I'm too bad. I'm too this. I'm too that. You don't know. It's not possible for me. Well, church, if we get anything from the story of Christmas, it ought to be this. That nothing's impossible for God. Right? He can cause a virgin to have a baby. That's pretty difficult. He can cause a poor baby to become a king. That's pretty difficult. Christmas is about the impossible. When Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? He said, is anything too hard for God? Nothing's impossible for God. Friends, nothing is impossible for God. And friends, that's absolutely amazing. God transforming us from the inside us out, making us more like Jesus. You know, it's amazing that a person filled with anger can be turned into a person filled with love. That's God's plan. He's not saying, I want you to end up wearing a robe and growing your hair long and walking barefoot through the streets of Galilee. That's not what it means to become like Jesus. It becomes like Jesus is being filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All the fruits of the Spirit. Become like Jesus on the inside. Church, John wants us to be amazed at who that baby in the manger really is. The Word became flesh. Think what that message says today. We see in Jesus the image of God. We hear in Jesus the voice of God. And we discover in Jesus the purpose of God for each of us. And that's absolutely amazing. And church, I think there's only really one proper response to all of this. It's this. 
we worship Jesus like the shepherds did. This Christmas morning, we do, we raise our hands and we worship you. We bow our heads and our hearts. And we're amazed by who you are. We're amazed, Lord, that we see in you the image of God. We hear in you the voice of God. And we discover in you the purpose that we have in life to be transformed from the inside out into people of love and goodness and joy and kindness and care like you are. And so, Lord, this Christmas day, would you just so infuse us with your reality that when we interact with people, we'd be a little bit more like you, a little kinder, a little more loving, a little more graceful. So that, Lord, we, like you, would reflect your reality, your goodness, and, and your power in a world that's really, really desperate and hurting and needy. So, Lord, I just pray now for your grace and your goodness to rest upon this church family. Lord God, bless everyone in this place because you love them. And we now, Lord, walk from this place renewed in you, encouraged in you, and ready to walk into the world and shine your goodness to everyone we meet. Thank you, Jesus, for your love.